Welcome to this month's podcast, Passport 2, where we are talking love. We are talking long-distance relationships. Dating, oh, that big old word. Dating in the 21st century is an interesting one. And dating during COVID is a whole other beast, particularly relevant given that we have been forced online without traditional dating and travel. But we love a silver lining, and lockdown shouldn't stop the search for love. Instead, it should enhance it, because now we can look all around the world for love. It's opened up the world to us. This episode is sponsored by Hailey, which stands for Hey, I Like You. That's it, getting straight to the point. Now, if I wasn't married, I would turn to Hailey. My relationship started as long distance, but in fact, it was about finding the right person with common interests. It's really hard to find the right platform for your dating needs, but that decision might have just gotten a whole lot easier thanks to Hailey. Hailey is all about making communication much easier and productive because it's based on shared values and interests. All profiles pass hand-pecked moderation and instead of swiping, you can create and watch stories, you comment, you text other users directly. And if you need a little help making the first move, the app offers icebreakers to help get conversations started. So from that, we are creating our own IGTV icebreakers. So make sure you head on over to Instagram and check that out when it comes out too. So let's crack on and talk about love and long distance relationships. It's a personal one for me, as my now husband and I have been together for many years, but I'm from London and he is from Miami and St. Martin in the Dutch Caribbean. So I wanted to get to the heart of the topic. My opinion is going to be biased, but... I think a long distance relationship can really open your eyes. You get a greater connection and it allows two people to make their own lives and create one together. Even at its lowest points, which can feel pretty low when there's thousands of miles between you, it's always worth the trouble. That sounds cheesy, but I assure you it is. To discuss this, I am delighted to have with me today Caroline Klein, for whom travel is a key part of her work and for her partner. It's hard to believe that, what was it, four months ago, we were sitting in Cannes having a coffee, uh, which sounds so, so sexy and fun, given our current grounded situation. (laughs) It was sexy and fun, and being at home is not sexy and fun in pajamas half the time. (laughs) I'm so glad we're able to have have these types of conversations. It keeps things more real. Absolutely. Tell us about yourself, Caroline. Yeah, no, thank thank you. So um, I am the Executive Vice President of Corporate Communications and Public Relations for Preferred Hotels and Resorts. Our portfolio comprises about 750 independent hotels, resorts, residences, and small hotel groups across 85 countries. And as part of that, I also oversee uh, communications, public relations, and social media for our sister division called PHG Consulting which represents tourism and travel destinations around the world. So I have, uh, I'm very lucky to work in a profession doing communications, which I love. I've wanted to be a journalist and a communicator since I was little um, in an industry that I've always been passionate about. That's a big old role. (laughs) You know, it's, it's fun, (laughs) but it's dynamic. And I definitely thrive off of pressure and like to have a lot of different balls in the air at one time. So the dynamic global nature of it is really what drives me on a daily basis. So we're going to come to the whole travel aspect in a moment, but tell me how are you mm-hmm. holding up at this time? Where are you at the moment? Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I think like everyone else, I've been going through a variety of emotions based on how this pandemic is affecting me on a personal and professional level, but truly I cannot complain. 
I'm healthy, my loved ones remain healthy, and I remain employed in an industry that I'm passionate about and working with a family or working with a company, excuse me, that is truly a second family. Um, in terms of where I am, I feel very lucky to be grounded at home in Corona del Mar, which is a cute town in Southern California in Orange County, if you're familiar with it. So you know, I'm, it yeah, it's, it's stunning right it's, now. Again, it's, I'm very grateful to be going through this in a location where my house is a few blocks, don't hate me, from the beach and the ocean. And there's ample <laughs> <laughs> I know my family actually said, every time we do Zoom calls or Zoom video calls, they're like, do you just choose to go for walks? So we have to look at your beautiful, sunny weather when you're outside. <laughs> but, you know, it's good to get the fresh air. And again, it's living somewhere where there's ample space to get outdoors and gain some headspace amidst fresh air is a lifesaver. And I, I feel for people who are in a major city or those who are truly not able to leave their homes during this time, because I cannot imagine what, what additional pressure that adds. Absolutely. Having, um, I'm in an apartment in central London and it's wonderful. I'm very lucky where I am, but I'll tell you something, wherever I live for the rest of my life, we'll have to have some outdoor space. That's the one. You know, you just, <laughs> I, I, before moving to California in 2017, I always lived in big cities and I always thought I was a big city girl. Now living here, I mean, they always say, when, once you move to Southern California, you're never going to leave. I get it. <laughs> I I understand. It's truly, you know, being being able to be outside and seeing the water. I never thought I had such a connection to the water. So who knows? Do you get much downtime? Because you are still <laughs> And I mean, how are you managing this downtime, especially because you're not constantly on an airplane? Well, you know, handling... Handling corporate communications, which includes crisis communications, public relations, and social media for a global travel company that represents hotels and tourism destinations, um, there's there's a little there's a very little downtime right now. You know, I think COVID nineteen has just been merciless on our industry, so there hasn't been much downtime at all since news of the virus started coming out in China in late January. We have a we have many associates in China, so our support be, and our our work about the pandemic has really started before most other companies really even had it on their radar as a reality. So I'm definitely not someone who has said or even thought I'm so bored so far. But again, I feel very grateful for that because knowing me, I would rather be tired than bored. Um, (laughs) With the downtime I do have, though, I'm typically using it to go for hikes. And I've also learned to cook, which has been fantastic because as someone who typically travels 50% of the time, my former cooking skills are what I would describe as probably lazy girl cooking, scrambled eggs, sauteed vegetables, a cold salad or popcorn. But now I'm much more confident making my favorite version or my favorite takeout dishes. And just banana bread. Truly. Oh my gosh. So I make a mean, I make, well, I do make a mean banana bread, um, but I've been trying to stay away from baked goods because I love baking. It's a, baking is a form of stress relief, but it's a form of stress relief because I have like one or two or four. And then I bring the rest to the office. If I only had them at home right now, that would be a whole other ball game. But, you know, right now I'm just in the headspace of testing out some new dishes and can't wait to have people over once the social distancing regulations are lifted. So I can kind of show off uh, what I've been able to learn through this. Amazing. I can't wait to try all of this. Three yeah, you're more than invited once, <laughs> once we can all fly. I want to come back to the travel and your wish lists and all these places after, but mm-hmm. let's come back to the relationship side. So yeah. um, when we spoke last, I remember you saying that you are, because your travel, because tra- you travel so much and your partner travels a lot, um, but now you're obviously grounded together. I want to talk about the long distance relationships, your thoughts before getting into one and where your thoughts are now and how you're finding it. 
You know, it's a great question. Definitely, as we've discussed, my relationship isn't a typical long distance relationship because we live together, but we do both travel 50% of the time or more. So previously, I was in a long-term relationship that wasn't long distance. So I really hadn't thought about it until that relationship ended. You know, I knew some people who were in long distance relationships and just remember thinking, just based on perception, that it seemed so hard. How could they maintain a real connection? Um, what would they, you know, what were they talking about? What do you do about physical needs? All, all of those things. But in the aftermath of my prior relationship, I spent a lot of time looking at who I was and what I truly needed in a relationship and in a partner, not just really sticking to what I guess seemed normal based on society or other couples that I knew. And out of that, I finally embraced the reality that I am a true introvert. What I do for work is an extrovert, but that's, you know, that's my professional life and a personal life. I'm an introvert who needs a lot of personal space, is very comfortable having a lot of alone time. And I don't need to be with someone 24 seven to feel secure in that relationship. So whether it's a long distance relationship or not, I realized that, you know, I needed to be with a partner who understands and respects that. And I think that you can make anything work if you both want to. So again, when, when I consider that and the reality that I spend 50% of the year traveling, my partner spends 50% plus traveling, um, our relationship in a way to me is considered long distance, given the amount of time that we're apart from each other. Um, you know, I think that it's just, it's looking at you know, I laugh. We were about to celebrate our two year anniversary, actually. And thank you. I was thinking, I was trying to think about like, how much time have we actually spent together, right? Of those two years, how many days have we actually spent in the same room or frankly, in the same city or state? Um, and I couldn't come up with a calculation because I think we've, I mean, we've now, you know, muddied the waters a little bit with being home with each other for so long, but it is, you know, it is interesting just to look at how strong relationships can be, even when that physical space is farther apart for, for a majority of time. And I know, I know you know exactly what I'm talking about. I do, I do. Do you think there are any advantages to a long distance relationship? Whether it's traveling all the time for work or as in my situation, we're both quite integral to our different cities, but very much together as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do. I think again, and, and I want to, I'll just caveat, I think my, what I see as advantages, other people might see as disadvantages because everyone needs something different. But I think when, when we're together, we're truly invested in making the most of it. It makes you more likely to put the phone down, makes you more attentive and aware of the other person's needs. I think that there's so much that you see when you can see someone's body language and reactions to you in person, rather than on a quick FaceTime call or, you know, a voice call. When you can see kind of the whites in people's eyes or you see their body language, not just in the moment, but for hours on end, you really get a sense of what that person is feeling, what they're going through and kind of how your dynamics are together. Um, I think also one of the biggest advantages to me of being in a long distance relationship is you truly get to live your life. You have to, you're forced to live a life that you want to live having hobbies and interests and friends that don't involve that other person because you're not just sitting around waiting for them to call or waiting to have your shared experiences. It really allows you to have a life. I think in any healthy relationship, you need to have a life outside of your relationship, but it forces you to do that. And I think it encourages you to seek out things that perhaps your partner has no interest in. And you might not pursue those when that person is with you, but when they're apart, it just gives you more of that freedom, that freedom to do so. 
And I think too, an advantage of it is when you spend a lot of time apart, there is a definite sexiness to it because you're constantly discovering something new about that person. You know, that could be whether what their perspective is after a travel experience I'd had, or it might just be a daily habit that you never saw before. I remember when you said, you said something to me funny, you're like, well, actually, I don't know how, I think you said how your husband, I can't remember like if he, if he's hanging his shirts or something like that, because you don't know, but it's kind of like these daily things. Yeah. Little intricacies. You, you just discover them and it is interesting. And you kind of, I, rem, I just, you know, I think it's, I, I use the word cute. It's like, I think that's cute because you see these things that no one's trying to hide. It's just not something you see. It's just these intricacies that kind of make you fall in love all over again, because you're seeing the real them, not the, you know, not the them that they're trying to show you. I completely agree. The things that are, for me, the things that are otherwise mundane actually mm-hmm. become the things that are quite exciting. I mean, the big thing for me, which is people often laugh at when I say is washing up because we didn't live together before we got married. And so the simple making dinner and washing up was something that we'd never done. And then now it's actually, I mean, I'm sure that will wear off very quickly. But um, it, it's at least in the first year of marriage, it's quite fun when you're just cooking for each other and having a laugh and then you wash up and, you know, all those little things which are otherwise mundane. Um, mm-hmm. I find the benefit complete that you just, when you are away, you have to talk to each other. You talk on, for, for me, I, we would talk for hours on end um, for friends of mine who are in same city relationships or perhaps don't travel as much. Um, you are you you work you work harder you work that bit harder you socialize you meet the weekend flies by and then you repeat it again so here we would be you know you're investing that time and you're really getting to know somebody you're talking so much and then when you meet you it's this kind of intense spurts of wonderfulness and there's always a different energy and there's always butterflies and I mean I've been together with him for years and we're mm-hmm. celebrating our one year together I hope soon <laughs> um well, and there's still thank you and there's the still uh, that chemistry which for me is just the, the advantage of it you know so so eloquently said too and I you know the when we first started dating we gosh I think in the first four months we maybe saw each other for two weeks of that time but I remember telling a friend I said you know we've facetimed for like 10 hours over the course of a few days. And she said, I don't FaceTime with my husband ever or for a few minutes. And again, it forces that communication and the connection. You're so focused on, okay, what, you know, there's no, I like to say there's no bread basket in front of you to distract you during dinner. You're really having these dialogues. You're talking to each other one-on-one and you're getting to learn someone in a much more condensed manner, I think, because the time that you have with them can be fleeting. Absolutely. Um, I find that your worlds don't always overlap and you mentioned something about you know finding those own things and being happy in your own life and habits and and hobbies that you may like or things that you enjoy doing so there's also a wonderful thing of having the advantage of integrating into each other's worlds and then living your own life as well mm-hmm. 100% do you think there are any deal breakers when it comes to a long distance relationship I think trust, trust is paramount in every relationship, but when it comes to long distance relationships and you're not seeing this, the person every day, you don't have the same routine together. I think once you start to question something or the trust breaks down, the relationship will quickly dwindle. And when you're not seeing someone every day too, it's easier to kind of put them out of sight, out of mind. And so, you know, and I think trust is something that is harder to build for someone in a long distance relationship. So once you have it, don't, don't let it go away. 
don't screw it up. Exactly. I think it's trusting the communication. It's trusting the space and knowing that you'll come back to the communication. It's trusting that you'll check in with each other. And for me, I have one particular rule, never go to bed angry as much as possible. <laughs> that's, that's a great one. That's a, that's a very important one too. And, but it's, but isn't it funny because in a long distance relationship, I could be going to bed in one place. He's waking up in another place. You know, you, you, you never know. You have to deal with people's emotions because I could have had a really long day and he could just be starting and you never want, you have to, I always respect the boundaries of the timing to let someone kind of wake up before you, um, unleash, even if it's just event, not at them necessarily, but just, to, <laughs> just event. You're, you're, you're much better than me then because I'm, you know, <laughs> half my day is gone by the time he's waking up and mm-hmm. I'm ready to just say everything that's on my mind and he's surfacing at god knows 5 36 or 6 30 in the morning and he just has me with the phone going la 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 like yeah but it's lunchtime for me so um that's wise and it's something that i'm working on <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> do you travel much together i mean they say that travel is a great way of getting to know your partner you know again our situation is a little different because we live together so our middle ground technically is meeting at home Um, but when we do have back-to-back travels, we try to meet in the middle or go on trips together. We do travel a lot. And a fun fact is, so we started dating and about when we started dating, he had a trip planned and it was actually to go to the world cup when it was in Russia. And I had never been to Russia. I've always dreamed about going to Moscow and, you know, we were, we were just first starting to date and we saw each other, you know, we saw each other once and it wasn't for another two weeks. And he I kept saying, well, you know, I've always wanted to go to Russia. And so he was kind of joking, oh, well, you should come with me. And I think he was testing the waters of, he was saying that I should come with him, but wasn't really sure if I was going to say yes. And with me, there are no casual offers. So I remember I had been on a long trip and I had been to, I think I was in China, then I went to Thailand, then I went to Japan, then I went to New York. And he actually flew from a business trip from the UK, I believe, just to New York with me for a night before he flew home. And after he was in New York for that time, I thought to myself, I was like, okay, this is, this is going to be fun. Why not try this out? So he, we had been talking about me going and he was back at home in California. And I just texted him. I said, well, I just booked my trip to Moscow. So I'm in, and he started texting back and you could see like the three little bubbles (laughs) and then the three little bubbles went away and he didn't respond for like 20 minutes. And I was thinking, well, I'm in, so I hope you're into it. But anyways, it all it all worked out well. And so our first trip together was um, a five-night trip to go to Budapest and then Russia for the World Cup. So talk about kind of a whirlwind. And we were with a bunch of a bunch of his friends and other people. And that really just started realizing we love to travel together. We are excellent travel partners. In under two years, we've been to 11 countries. Um, and every every trip has taught us something new, I think, about each other and about our relationship. You know, when it comes to getting to know someone, you see how people are in airports. You see how people react to different cultures, different people. Um, you see how people react to people in the service industry or just the, you know, the person sitting next to them on the plane. And it teaches you not just about them as a person, but their perspective on the world and their place in it. So, you know, it just, it also shows you what their curiosity for life is. You know, are they the person that asks a lot of questions when they're on a trip and wants to explore kind of the 
off the beaten path locations or are they going more by the guidebook or are they willing to take a recommendation from someone they've never met before and try something even though even though it might not have been on their itinerary are they a planner or are they a fly by the seat of their pants kind of person and traveling just also shows you if you're going to be able to survive with this person through a struggle and how you're going to deal with differences when you come to them or stressful moments you know i think in a day-to-day relationship where you're just in the same city and you're kind of living your life, of course there are stresses, but there is nothing like a um, canceled international flight or a global pandemic hitting. Or, you know, on our recent trip, we went to, you and I talked about this, we went to um, Jordan and Lebanon for our trip between Christmas and New Year's. And before we went, people were saying, why are you going? And so there was a good amount of discussion between the two of us saying, is this something we want to do? Like, are we putting ourselves in harm's way when we're there? If something happens, how are we going to handle it? And the last day it was a little stressful because that's when a lot of unrest started to happen. And, you know, we were, we were fine and we were never really nervous, but it taught us a lot again about how we view the world, our perspective, how we handle times of crisis, how we both manage stress. And, you know, you learn a lot in a short amount of time when you're, when you're traveling with someone. That's great. And I actually think it's a probably a good idea for people to travel to really get a sense of their partner, to learn how they are in all these situations. You know, when I, before I started dating my current partner, my friend sent me this little meme and it said, I have an idea for people who like to travel on a first date, go to the airport and see how the person you're dating handles getting through the security line. <laughs> you know, you just, things, things pop up that you see right away are, you know, can I live with this or, or the funny nuance of intricacies of the person. Do you have any tips for people who are contemplating long distance relationships or when one partner is traveling a lot? Yeah, I think when it comes there, I mean, there's a two sides to that. One is if someone who doesn't travel is about to get in a relationship with someone who travels a lot, you have to consider all of the stages because, you know, at first it's, oh my gosh, you have such a sexy job. You travel all the time. Then it's a, wow, you're really gone a lot. And then it's a, you're gone all the time. So people who get into a relationship with someone who travels has to truly be invested in understanding the situation and knowing that the person is not traveling to get away from them or, you know, that they shouldn't be jealous about these experiences because that's that person's life. That's their job. That's what they're doing. And that's what you knew when you got into the relationship with them in the first place. So I think it's always having an an open mind and a reality that if this situation doesn't change, am I okay being the person at home when this person's on the road 50% of the time? Um, with the expectations, exactly, exactly. Managing the expectations of, you know, even for, um, us right now, we both travel 50% of the time, but there are times when, you know, I might be grounded for two months or he's grounded for two months. And there's that shift in dynamic of one person being home. And it's for the person on the road as well to be mindful of that and knowing that the person isn't getting that energy that they would normally get of traveling. So keeping them engaged in that sense and just, I guess, changing the dynamic as you see fit and recognizing that they might not be in their, in their kind of normal, which is probably on a plane or somewhere else. When it comes to tips, I think it's just, it's patience. It's patience for people's schedules. It's looking at time zones. It's understanding, as we discussed before, are they just waking up? Or are they about to go to bed? When is a good time to broach? You know, if there's something that's been kind of weighing on your mind, when's a good time for that? Because there's no common dinner table when you're in two different continents. It's also looking at strengths and weaknesses. I like to, I like to look at this, especially when you're traveling together. It's 
who's who's the planner? So if, if whether you're together or you're apart, who's planning our next, what we're doing when we get together the next time? Um, who's the one who's going to be more spontaneous and, you know, planning that, I guess, planning isn't spontaneous, but who's the one who's going to be spontaneous and kind of put that, put that spark into it. But I really just think it's all about patience, trust, communication, and being open about your expectations. It's being open about your expectations, but also open about your boundaries. What boundaries do you want to set for yourself and that are important to you so that you do still carve out that alone time? So there's not always, you know, it's, it's difficult when you travel so much and it's in a global business. People always want something from you. Then you also want to give so much of yourself to your partner and your family, but you still have to carve out that space for yourself because otherwise you're not going to continue to grow as your own person and you'll deplete yourself quickly, which then will deplete your relationship and the downward spiral from there. I think that's a fantastic answer. Thank you so much for that. Um, You mentioned pandemics changing perspectives whilst uh, traveling. Has the coronavirus changed your view of the world? I have such a strong and inherent belief in travel that I think, I I hope that the world comes out of this pandemic channeling the virtues of travel. And when I say that, it's travel has the ability to open minds, make people better versions of themselves, creates tolerance across cultures, genders, religions, traditions, you name it. Because people see that at the end of the day, we are all so much more similar than anyone potentially wants to admit. I think it's for the first time in history, probably, we all have something, humanity has something in common besides the weather. In some way, shape, or form, we are all being affected by COVID-19. So my view on the world has not changed. I think we've seen so much more humanity in such a great way come about. I think hospitality has always been the business of serving others. And I think we're seeing a level of hospitality spreading across the world because people are opening their arms to people they never would have before, because we can truly say, I understand what you're going through. Um, And I, I hope that people take this time to think about what they're grateful for, also what they want out of their lives and how the changes they've been forced to make now can be carried over into future so that we can continue to preserve this kind of healing of healing of nature and healing of ourselves and not having this time be wasted. You talk about people's perspectives and the changes that they're having to make and the humanity that they have. How do you think the travel industry is going to change after this? I mean, can I say every aspect of travel is going to change? I think the way people book travel the destinations and types of trips we consider, the service culture, guest experience at hotels and restaurants, even the very concept of vacation. You know, for a few specific thoughts, I think that following this and after being forced apart for extended periods of time, people will want to spend more time traveling to connect with their friends and their family. I don't think that people are going to look for that solo trip right away. I think people want to see their loved ones in person. I think travel will definitely be more domestic after this, as most travelers will feel safer staying within the borders of their own country, wanting to avoid any risk of border closures. We've all read those stories about people being trapped somewhere. That said, though, I truly hope that xenophobia is not the result of this pandemic and that people, as I mentioned before, continue to embrace travel's power to open their minds, break down preconceived notions, and create greater tolerance, continuing to want to explore the world around them. You know, beyond that, I think that travel will probably become more value-driven, as in 
what values is the travel experience bringing to the traveler and how is it helping them grow? People might not look, be looking to kind of tick off the typical tourist experiences, but really looking at embracing sustainability and traveling with a purpose. We can see how much kind of the world has healed itself in just a few weeks. So I think they'll be asking how their travel can support local communities, how they can give back to those that were, uh, you know, severely affected by this. And how can they travel in a way that supports the environment instead of having a massive carbon footprint? And I do think that hotels, destinations, other travel companies are considering that. And I believe that consumers will probably show more loyalty for travel companies that really show that they care about individuals' health, safety, and interests, as well as the world around them. You talk about how the travel industry and the hotels will accommodate the new way of travel. But talking about right now, how can people help the hospitality industry today? Oh, there, it's a great question. I'm so glad you asked that because there are so many things. I think, I think the hospitality and travel industry employ one in 10 people globally. So when you look at the impact it's having, it's just, it's crushing. So here, a few of the ways that are top of mind for me, I would say first and foremost is just continue believing in travel. Flex your curiosity about the world around you. Virtually explore destinations. Chat with others about your favorite spots. Continue to have this be a conversation so that we can all get inspired. I think there's a certain level of endorphins that people gain when they're planning a trip or you book a you book an airline ticket. So we shouldn't stop that now. That said, don't cancel trips, just postpone them. The world will open back up. We will all be able to travel again. And it's important that we continue to keep the economy going. Everyone can buy gift cards for their favorite restaurants and hotels where you want to travel when this is all over. This really helps hotels maintain their cash flow and keep it going. In addition to that, take some time to review, post reviews on whether it's Yelp or TripAdvisor about the restaurants and hotels that you've enjoyed in the past. This helps them be in a prime position. So when travelers are looking to book travel again, they're seeing the great experience that you had and that, you know, that speaks volumes. And then also I would just say, you know, for everyone who's scrolling on their phones all day, tap into your favorite hotel's social media account and help them spread the word by reposting, post travel photos of where you've been, where you want to go, and just keep spreading the message. That's great. That's wonderful advice. So coming on to posting travel photos, we have a Dream Now Travel Later series. <laughs> where is on your bucket list? So I am craving an adventure. I am an avid hiker. I think it's the best form of therapy for me in many ways. So at the top of my list is hiking across the Faroe Islands and also visiting Bhutan to trek up to Tiger's Nest and experience a homestay. Wow. Um, my next question is, where's the first place you're going to go as soon as we can travel again? I'm guessing it's not Bhutan, but... Um, it's it not. Is- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Wisconsin from where I'm from, where my family lives, and what I refer to as the greatest place on earth. I really just cannot wait to give everyone in my family from my 92-year-old grandmother to my two-month-old nephew who all live there, just a, a huge hug. I bet, and I hope that happens very, very soon. And I really hope they're going to be some really wonderfully happy relationships after this, because I know that dating apps are going mad right now, and everyone's enjoying long-distance ones, <laughs> long-distance first dates. I think it just is. It may, it's going to make people reconsider their priorities in a relationship. They may have shifted. I I hope that a lot of people have used this time if they're living with their partner to see if that's the person they can see themselves getting through a crisis with and that they want to be with and that 
if it's the answer is yes, that they continue that. And if the answer is no, that they have the courage to kind of make a, make a clean break after this, but also that people are more open to dating, not necessarily in their own city, because there's such a beauty to long distance relationships. And if this pandemic has taught us anything, it's that it's not that difficult to maintain and create connections with people, even though they're far away. There are so many tools that people can have. And just because there's physical distance doesn't mean that there needs to be emotional distance. I think that's a wonderful way to wrap this up. Where can we follow you on social media? So my Instagram handle is Caroline Jo, J-O Klein, K-L-E-I-N. That's my handle for Instagram. And then also just have to give a plug to Preferred Hotels. Follow at preferredhotels.com to get a strong sense of why we believe in travel so much and share your inspirations for travel with us. Please do. I'm a big fan of Preferred and the the property collection. So that's wonderful. Caroline, thank you so much and stay safe and well. 